Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. I'm Adam Mixon, content curator. I'm Adam Borneman, program director. I'm Jennifer Maxell, program curator. And I'm Mark Ramsey, executive director of the Ministry Collaborative. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation, the Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Every day, we are inspired by ministry leaders from across the country who are exploring possibilities, learning from broad perspectives, taking risks, and who are eager to join candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hello, this is Adam Mixon. I'm the content curator for the Ministry Collaborative. And I'm here this morning with my friend and brother, Tyshawn Gardner, the pastor of the Plum Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And um, we're going to be talking in this podcast a bit about the present crisis, this COVID crisis. And what are some of the aspects, particularly of the black church, in our doctrine and our practice that may be instructive for the broader body of Christ in this time. Thank you, Tyshawn, for joining us for this podcast. Before we go into our discussion, I'd like you to kind of introduce yourself to folks who may not know who you are. As you've already alluded, uh, I'm the pastor, senior pastor of Plum Grove Baptist Church here in the city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I also serve as the vice president for student affairs at a small HBCU here in Tuscaloosa, Stillman College. I'm the immediate past president of the uh, Tuscaloosa chapter of the SCLC, Southern Leadership Conference, and just a community leader. So we uh, run a, a nonprofit called Citizens Impacting Community Association, mm-hmm. where we uh, seek to empower our marginalized communities help family and engage in academic and social empowerment for youth. So that's pretty much a nutshell, but more than anything, I'm a husband and father and grandfather. Grandfather. Right. Yeah. My daughter and son-in-law, they have three little munskins. Three. I just caught up with you. I got one granddaughter. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Enjoy it. Again, Tyshawn, thank you for consenting to this conversation. Obviously, when I started thinking about the subject matter for this podcast, you were at the top of the list of those who I would defer to. So... With that being said, I, you need to tell folks what your PhD is in. Yeah, so my PhD is research interest is Kelly Miller Smith Sr. Kelly Miller Smith was a contemporary of Martin Luther King Jr. Matter of fact, personal friends, but he was one of only 13 African Americans to deliver the distinguished Lyman Beecher lectures at Yale. And his Lyman Beecher lectures were entitled Social Crisis Preaching. And my dissertation is titled An Analysis of the Prophetic Radicalism in the Social Crisis Preaching of Kelly Miller Smith. So my research interest is African-American preaching, African-American preaching rhetoric, and of course, Kelly Miller Smith. With that being said, it sounds like... Uh, you are the right guy to be talking to about this. So again, I just really um, glad you're here. Let's start by me making this statement and hopefully not offending anybody. These last several weeks, we've been in several Zoom calls and community meetings. I'm sure your calendar has remained full of people talking about how we're going to respond to this crisis. And Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of lament 
and grief and people longing to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. And several of the meetings in the back of my mind, I did not say this out loud, I will say that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, man, black folks have been on this long walk to freedom for- A long time. A long time. So we know what it means to press through things and not really see an end in sight. Our foremothers and forefathers planted trees whose shade they would not sit in. That's right. It dawned on me then that we have a whole lot to say that would be relevant Mm -hmm. in a time like this. When you hear pastors saying, I don't know what to preach. Mm. There's so much of of the message that I was going to deliver that is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I think you're uniquely positioned to talk to us about the things that are kind of intrinsic to African-American church traditions and theology that speak to us in times of crisis. Yeah, so I think you're certainly right. I think it's in the DNA of the African-American church. A suffering is part of that. So as we were having some preliminary discussions, Adam, about this, I think you uh, so eloquently posed the question, how can we mine hope out of mountains of despair? And I think that's certainly been the mantra, the practice of the African-American church to engage in such and produce a hope and a joy from the long night of suffering. Mm. And I think that preaching is the medium in which that hope is communicated to God's people, not only African-Americans, but to the world. I think that uh, one of the greatest gifts that the Lord has given our country, if not the world, is the African-American church for such a time like this, is to exemplify suffering while we hold on to hope, while we live into the tension of already and not yet, as we expect to live out the great themes of the Bible, which is community and hope and expectancy, those type of realities. So I think that the black church has, in fact, of course, it was birthed in suffering and ostracism and rejection. And out of that, what has been passed down to us is the ability to hold on to forge ahead in spite of, with the hope of a better day, and most importantly, an alternative vision other than what's being offered to us or what we see at the current time. You said something about an alternative Uh to the reality that we're encountering right now that I think is really instructive. Mm -hmm. Again, even among clergy, there's this overwhelming sense of malaise and despair And I have to tell you the truth, it's got me a little bit annoyed over Mm -hmm. the last week because, uh, to your point, I believe that we're in possession of this incredible moment Mm -hmm. to model the grace of God in suffering right? and to speak about joy Mm -hmm. in the midst of despair. This is a gift that God has given us. Mm -hmm. Many of us are missing that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So to the preacher that is discouraged Mm. and questioning the relevancy of preaching the Beatitudes at a time like this. Right. What word would you say to them to encourage them? A couple of weeks ago, I was contemplating beginning a series preaching through 1 Corinthians. And as laudable as that may have been, the Holy Spirit convicted me and convinced me that what people need most now is hope. And so instead of that, I will be 
preaching a series in the Psalms of Ascent. Mm-hmm. And I think that what preachers need to know now is to demonstrate and to model the message and the hope that we preach about, to model suffering as you have already spoken to, and to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. So that's the word I would give them, Mm -hmm. be steadfast. Yeah, and I don't want to discount the challenges that clergy are facing, having to switch medium, and I'm not discounting the real grief Mm -hmm. of not being able to gather. And even at some point, you know, maybe burying a church member Mm -hmm. and nobody can be present for the funeral, that's very real, but... There is always the hope of the resurrection, this living hope that we have in the resurrection that we declare Mm -hmm. and that we cling to. Again, speaking to the African-American tradition, this is not sunny-eyed optimism. This is not, oh, just look on the bright side of it. The, The hope that we declare, this joy that we have that's rooted in that living hope Mm -hmm. is not facile. Right. This is time tested. This Mm -hmm. is well worn. Mm -hmm. It's durable and it's resilient. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, again, one of the distinctives of the black church. Speaking of preachers and to the faith community, James L. Massey has written a masterful book on preaching entitled The Responsible Pulpit. And in that book, he gives five characteristics of the African-American preaching tradition. The African-American preaching tradition is, he says, functional, festive, communal, radical, and climactic. And all five of those components speak to uh, people who have lived through and experienced unparalleled suffering and marginalization. You bring up a very interesting point about the distance and the fact that we cannot gather together. Even that is not unique to African-Americans because we have to understand that our experience was not first an institutional experience. It was the invisible institution. So we have the unique gift and the grace of God to remain connected and intertwined in the midst of time and distance. So that ability is given to us again through the hope, the living hope, I might add, of the resurrection of Christ. Wow, I'm ready to celebrate right now. (laughs) I want to press you a little bit further and pick your brain Mm -hmm. about this relationship. Willie Jennings, in a talk that we had earlier this month, made a comment about the African-American music tradition of the blues and how in the blues pain becomes productive. Pain does something. Mm -hmm. I think that in a real way, God Mm -hmm. makes our pain productive and he doesn't waste our suffering. Right. That even in the destructive, there is something that God is constructing. He is always creating. Mm -hmm. You said earlier something about reimagining a future. Speak to us about what you see God creating right. in the midst of this crisis that gives you hope. I think God is creating simply a new paradigm, a new worldview, a new way for us to view the world, a scarcity. It's amazing how I'm on Facebook actually debating with a friend about a viewpoint. And one of the things that came up was the impending scarcity of food. 
And it's amazing how such talks doesn't really frighten African-Americans. And I think the reason being is because we are a communal people. So what God is creating is what he has desired. And that is for us to live in community opposed to the ideology and philosophy of individualism that was introduced to us, let's say, during the Enlightenment, and that we have continued to embrace. But I think that what the Lord is doing is bringing us back to, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, life together. You speak of the blues, and and I'm reminded of James Cone's book, The Spirituals and the Blues. And both the spirituals and the blues voice not only the articulation of our pain, but it also gives a vivid vision to this new reality or this new paradigm, which is a new community uh, where we not only suffer together as community, but we also triumph together. Yeah. The medium being not just this shared suffering, but also shared consumption. Right. That's the it. sharing of resources. And, right. And for me, again, that makes this an exciting time for us to be the church. It is so exciting. It is so exciting. Because we are divested or should be actively divesting ourselves of these institutional models mm-hmm. that don't mm-hmm. really reflect the nature of the beloved community that Christ came mm-hmm. to establish. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to be the church. It is. And not only for us to be the church, but also to reflect Christ to our community and to show the world how it really should be done. Mm-hmm. You know, we could talk about the effects of capitalism, the advantage of capitalism. But there's something to be said about, as you put it, communal consumption, Mm. communal distribution, shared distribution. And we are, to some degree, forced to do that, not only through the uh, sharing of commodities, but the sharing of ourselves. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to turn this corner as we get ready to wrap up our time talking A lot of folks and even people of faith are disillusioned. Mm -hmm. And I would submit that the disillusionment is related to having invested ourselves Mm -hmm. in things that are not God. But disillusionment is necessary in the pursuit of truth. Right. So even in that, I am celebrating. People have been talking about the decline of the church for 50 years, Mm -hmm. 60 years. Mm What I see is the decline of an idol. That's good. Right. Which means that what is real, what is authentic, what is genuine will endure. Right. That's right. Which, again, makes me hopeful. It will rise to the top. That's right. Maybe we will not go back to what it was. Right. And that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good so, thing. So what, do you, what are your party words for us as we look hopefully toward the future? I'm excited. You know, following... The Lord and being a Christian has always been an adventurous, a joyful adventure. And that's what my parting words are. Sit back and enjoy the ride. We walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Enjoy this ride. Hold on because it gets better and more exciting. (laughs) Oh, Pastor, you sound like you're ready to close. Oh, man, I am. (laughs) Yeah. So there's joy. There's hope. And we are living in that hope. We don't have to wait for that hope. We are living in that hope. Peter talks about a a lively or a living hope. And that's our reality right now. Mm. 
It's funny. I started a series at the beginning of the year on reclaiming joy. Mm. And COVID hit. And it made wow. me like, do I need to follow the headlines or do I need to press through this? Yeah. yeah. In this last week's uh, lesson, I was writing about joy as protest. Mm. Yes. Right. Joy That's is right. living and walking in the light. Mm-hmm. And how how that light is aggressive, it's a, and it chases mm, darkness, mm-hmm. sends the shadows to fleeing, and that is the message. That's the message. Joy is resistance. It's protest. It's resistance. Right. It's an alternative response to suffering. Yes, I want to shout. But, that's, that's, <laughs> but that's I'm trying. It. I'm trying to stay professional. Yes. 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 And that joy demands not only the inner embrace, but the external expression. The world needs to see joyful witnesses. Right. And again, not the sunny-eyed optimism, mm-hmm. but a joy that is rooted mm-hmm. very deeply in traditions and experience of people who know what suffering is. Right. And that's the joy, I think, of the African-American church. We need to be brought to the table of that traditional uh, drawing from, as you would, mm. because we have so much to offer in times like this. Yeah, I say all the time, we've turned scraps into soul food. That's it. We've turned remnants into quilts, mm-hmm. turned rags into fashion. We we were bred for a time like this. That's it. And I'm so thankful, brother, to be sharing this journey with you. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. It's always a joy to talk with you. I was just talking to my children just a few uh, days ago, my son-in-law is a uh, student at Beeson Divinity School, and I was telling him that one of my major influences is Adam Mixon. i never forget how you hail those professors to task, man, and I was inspired by that. I was really inspired by that. I'll never forget it. So thank you for your faithful witness. Brother, we got miles to go before we rest. That's it. But I'm glad we're traveling together. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. Our producer is Marthame Sanders. To find out more about us and our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org. 